All right, well, just in case you're wondering where you are, welcome to City Harbor Church, a safe place to find and follow Jesus. Let's turn to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Let's pray and ask God uh, for help as we turn to the scripture today. Lord, I thank you that you're here in this place, that you're speaking to us, that you're guiding us. I thank you that you are faithful to not leave us alone in this broken world amongst all the difficulties. Lord, I thank you that you're with us, that you guide us, that you direct us. Lord, I thank you for all that are here present. Lord, I love being a part of this church family. I thank you that you brought us into relationship with each other and for all that would be listening today on this recording. Lord, I pray that you would guide us as we turn to the scripture in the name of Jesus. Amen. So this is our second Sunday on a series we're calling Building Ecclesia. Building Ecclesia. Now, I don't know about you, but one of the things that I wonder on a regular basis is, what is Jesus up to? Well, we last week we looked at his words from Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, I will build my church. That's what Jesus said, gates of hell will not prevail against it. He anchored in the context of the conversation about the importance of his identity as Messiah. He said, I will build my church. Now, ecclesia, we looked at that term. It's a Greek term, uh, street Greek, which Jesus spoke. And in fact, it was a secular term that they adopted. Uh, In the New Testament, you see it used to refer to the church universal, or some people would say the capital C church. That would be all believers, all time. Um, But most of the time, and last week I put up a graphic that you could see the percentage of which, most of the time that it's used in the New Testament, it is specifically referring a to a local church, which is like us right here. It wouldn't be all the believers in Baltimore. It would be a written to and specifically that word specifically used towards a gathered group of people. Now, the secular term that Jesus used to refer to this is a people who were called out. Maybe you've heard that part of it before, called out. People who were called out of their homes for assembly, people who regularly assembled for a specific purpose with unique identity. That's what the Greek word means that Jesus used to describe what he would build. Now, Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom of God, but when he talked about the local church, he talked about it with specific language, language that had meaning, and language which Frankly, a lot of churches don't talk about because to talk about it here kind of sounds self-serving, right? For a pastor, for a leader to talk about it can kind of sound like, oh, you just want us to give more money or show up more often. Well, I think you would be benefited by doing that, but that's not the reason for this. The reason for this is this is City Harbor Church, a safe place to find and follow Jesus. And what we see when we read in Acts chapter 2 last week is that the people that responded to the call of Jesus as after he was resurrected, what they did was they gathered regularly, a lot of times daily, in their homes and in public places and in an ecclesia, in a gathered, called out of their homes for a specific purpose with a specific identity. That's how the people that heard Jesus, they heard his voice. They saw his eyes. They saw, they got his nonverbal communication. The people that got that, this is how they responded. They organized with elders, with guidelines, with discipline, with function for specific purpose. Now, 
all of that, and we tried to reinforce last week, all of the scriptures about that, you cannot take out of the context of personal relationship. It is always discussed in the context of personal relationship. And that means your individual, unique relationship with the living God. That that is an active thing. Okay? And that Jesus is the foundation. You can't get away from that. If the church, if we gather and we don't read the words of Christ and we're not learning about Jesus, then we just have a human club. Or like George said, the the human fund. Okay, all right. I won't get derailed. So Jesus said, I will build my church. And he used a specific word, ecclesia, that had a specific definition, people that were called out of their homes. Now, to be sure, and as I pointed out last week, this was used to describe a house church. It was used to describe, actually, in the New Testament, this word is also used to describe the gathering of believers in the Old Testament. Before Jesus came, a specific gathering of those Hebrew believers. It was also used to describe the church in Jerusalem, which was predominantly Jewish believers, followers of the Messiah, so predominantly Jewish church in the multiple thousands, right? Straight from Acts 2, multiple thousands of people, so a home church, multiple thousands, primarily Jewish church, and the church in Antioch, which is also a larger church gathering in a public setting that was mostly Gentile. So it's interesting, it's of note that this word is used to describe each of those things. Don't worry, this academic stuff we're doing right now is getting us somewhere. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, hold on. Okay, so that's how the word is being used. Now, just before I get to John chapter 13, I want to refer to John chapter 17, which is on the screen. Jesus' prayer, Jesus says this. He prays to the Father. For all who will ever believe in me. This is Jesus' prayer for you. This is, Father, this is my cry for anyone all time in the future who will believe in me. And this context is believing in his identity as a Messiah. So those who would follow him, wholehearted devotion, for all who will ever believe in me that they will be one so that the world will believe. Now Jesus uses that one, which gives you those warm fuzzies, that hippie kind of Bob Marley, everybody, like everybody get together, right? This is good, good vibes. But Jesus actually goes beyond that. And the conversations about unity, if we're not careful, we can just take all the passages about, hey, be, be unified to be loosey-goosey, a mile wide and an inch deep, and to lack power and to lack depth. And that's how, listen to me now for a second, I'm right here. If we don't really dig into what these passages mean, our interaction with the church will become frustrating. Anyone ever been frustrated with the church? (laughs) Put me at the front of that line. One of the reasons that that happens actually includes our involvement. And when our involvement 
comes from a place where we only take a shallow look at what Jesus meant by be one, we are not interacting with the church in the way that Jesus asked us to. Now listen, this is not going to turn into Pastor Ben's guilt trip. We're just going to look at the words of Jesus. So now, John chapter 13. What I would like to do is read verses 34 and 35, which are also on the screen. Jesus says, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Pastor Ben, that sounds exactly the same. Yes, Jesus spoke in themes, but I want to point out to you that in both occasions and in many more occasions, Jesus used the word love with the agape word. And we have come to understand what that includes, where I choose, not by emotions, infatuations, or infections, but I choose to love a person, not for what I can get out of them, not to brag or boast or dictate my own demands, but a love that is faithful, a love that is patient, a love that is kind, a love that is long-suffering, a love that is forgiving, a love that is not keeping a record of wrongs. That is the agape love word. So when Jesus talks about our relationships in the context of the local church, and he, he talks about how we should care for each other, this is the word that he uses. And I love talking about that in this church, because that's what you are. Right? Anna's gonna have a baby any second, maybe not this second, but very soon... (laughs) And one of the things that she gets to enjoy is something that she has participated in before, as many of you have, and that is where we bring food to each other when we have new babies. Where we do different things, we do acts of service to help each other, right? The Welties are just went through Dan's illness and hospitalization stuff. What happens? People bring you food, try to find a considerate way to be a help to each other through this life. Well, that's a good example of how we can exercise Jesus' response. So you're already doing it. My point in bringing it out is how it interacts with the local church. And what do you see both in John 13 and John 17 is that Jesus unpacks the purpose. What's the purpose? It's the last line. So that the world will know God the Father sent me, Jesus the Son, as the Messiah. Our love for each other has a purpose that not yet believers could have a witness of what this love looks like. There is a purpose. So, For those of you participating in social media or just using your mouth when you travel around your neighborhood, what you should do is broadcast the good ways in which your church family has agape loved you. Just going to leave that right there. Watch this now. Let's just unpack a little bit. Let's get a little bit of a theology of the church, okay? Come on, you can do it. Matthew chapter 12, verses 48 through 50, Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. You ever notice that we talk to each, about each other in terms of a church family? In the church that I grew up in, nobody called the pastor pastor. They called him brother with his first name, which was Keith. I'm fine if you call me brother, right? 
I don't know if that would be weird if I'm in front of African Americans because it kind of feels like brother and sisters and African American cultural thing. Well, we should be sensitive, but we're a spiritual family. Our understanding of each other and the way that we should look at each other in this place is that we are brothers and sisters. We are brothers and sisters who will know each other for all time in the future. I'm just going to continue. Romans chapter, uh, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. See how very much our Father loves us. This is the disciple John using the agape love word. See how very much our Father loves us. For he calls us his children and that is what we are. Who is John writing to? The local church. Romans chapter 12, verse 10, also this is to the, the, the local church with the agape love word. Agape love one another with genuine affection. And that word in the Greek really would be translated brotherly love. And what that means is a, fami- a family kind of love. Right? And take delight in honoring each other. Now, if we use our mouth or social media, one of the things that we should do is honor each other broadcast, blast out. Speaking the truth in love is not a license for Christian airing of grievances, but a directive for us to talk about good stuff. Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29. 26 through 29. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Now, there is a lot that we could unpack from that passage, but I want to point out that Christianity was the first faith that taught equality. You are a Jesus follower before how you identify your sexual orientation or your identity. The world is selling a bill of goods that our sexual identity or our orientation is the most valuable thing about us. Everybody's waiting to see what I'm going to say next. I see that look in your eyes. When you receive the love and forgiveness of Jesus, your identity as a child of God is the most important thing. And I am not a higher rank than you, more valuable than you, nor are you more valuable than anyone else. We are equal in our value. And our identity as a Jesus follower is first. If I am allowing partisan politics to distract people from the witness of Jesus Christ, I am making a mistake. Let us continue. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 21. So now, you Gentiles. The last verse was to Jews. Here we go. Equal opportunity. Now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. That's pretty much everybody in the room. You Gentiles. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house. Now watch this. I'm going to do something today that I 
don't think you're expecting. I'm not going to just stay with the family of God analogy. I want to go to a couple of more because I think there's a reason for it. You are his house, the house of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, meaning what they were teaching. And what were they teaching? Well, we see in Acts chapter 2, they were teaching the words of Christ. You were built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully, now this is important. We are carefully joined together in Him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. I'm going to come back to that. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15, the household of God, the church of the living God, which is a pillar and support of the truth. 1 Timothy chapter 5 verses 1 through 2. Never speak harshly to an older man. Okay, I'm not the oldest in the room, but... But appeal to him respectfully as you would to your own father. Talk to younger men as you would to your own brothers. Treat older women as you would your mother. And that's like if you're treating your mother as you should, right? And treat younger women... With all purity as you would your own sisters. What do we see? The family of God. Family relationships, love and respect in the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 12 through 26. Uh, I'm just going to read the portion on the screen. I'm going to recommend this as your reading for the week. The whole section, verses 12 through 26. God has put each part... Now this is... um, For the sake of time, Paul is writing to the local church in Corinth about the church with an analogy of the church being the body and different people in the church with an analogy to them being different body parts and that we are all connected to each other and we cannot reject each other and that each part has a purpose and that there is a mutual benefit to our existence and not chopping one off. Okay? God has put each part just where he wants it. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Now, just as we saw the example with the wealthy family, with Uncle Jay, when somebody suffers, we suffer with them. Are you with me? Being indifferent is not the way that Jesus designed the church to be. Okay. What do we learn from this? Well, Jesus is building his church and he is the foundation. It's so easy. And on a weekly basis, it's so easy to get distracted, to get complicated, to get to drift into focus on external behaviors or how we want it to go or what we prefer. It's so easy to drift into preference and miss the actual purpose for the church. And that is always going to mean drifting from a focus on Jesus. It is Jesus who is building his church. It is Jesus who is the foundation. Jesus' followers are a spiritual family. They are equal and unique. Jesus calls his followers to love and respect each other. What else do we learn? God adds people to the church with purpose. 
God places us in the church for intentional relationships of mutual benefit. Wow, Pastor Ben with the $5 words today. God has a plan and a purpose for our individual lives and His church. I want to illustrate this just a little bit. Daniel, will you come up here, please? Holly, why don't you come up here, please? Uh, Joe, why don't you come up here, please? Um, and Erica, why don't you come up here, please? Okay. So Daniel, if you will stand there. And Joe, you stand over there. Holly, will you stand over here, please? Joe, step forward a little bit. And Erica, will you stand over there? Don't just be careful to drop off there. Okay. Why don't you come, come this way just a little bit? Okay, uh, Daniel, just shift just a little bit. Okay, and then give Daniel a little bit of space. (laughs) I believe the reason that the Scripture talks about the local church in terms of a spiritual family and a house and a body is because we need to see our relationships with each other as strategic for God's purpose. What was one of God's clear purposes? So that the world will know that Jesus is the Messiah. Right? That they will see. They will see that Jesus is the Messiah. And our perspective, if we're going to be honest about what God actually said about the purpose and the value and the importance of it, must be that our connectedness with each other has strategy, has purpose, has value. And building relationship with each other and searching out the answers with each other has value, has purpose. Taking food to each other has value, has purpose beyond just that one moment. Are you with me? Now, Daniel, Daniel's single. This is a good thing. Daniel is serving Jesus out of his singleness. Daniel is a young man. He's a man. It was his birthday this past week. Daniel's finishing graduate work at Morgan State in the architecture program. Daniel is a deep thinker. Daniel really cares about people. Daniel's not selfish. He's not shallow. And and Daniel kind of has a little bit of a love-hate relationship with their dog, Max. Am I right? No, that's not a dog. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Daniel really enjoys music, video games, hanging out with friends. Right? I eat tonight. You party tonight, hanging out, playing games. Now, when Daniel, let's say that our other three individuals are the church. When God brings Daniel into the church, there can be purpose and value for each connection. Right? And that can be as simple as just rapport and relationships. Holly likes music. Holly and Daniel both like music in such a way where like you don't have to like the same kind of music they like. They just like talking about music and joint memory, right? Mm-hmm. right? So there can be a point of connectedness and they might both have a week where their circumstances and their job and life and things were not good. But having a point of contact on a Sunday or in a small group where we just get to talk about music is refreshing. 
It doesn't have to be a Bible study. Okay. Joe and Daniel are very different. (laughs) Joe is married. He's the father of three. He is more like a redneck than Daniel. (laughs) He, He loves... He loves music, and I mean that in the straight-up and positive definition of redneck. He loves music. He's a technophile. He's always, he's maybe more current on technical gadgets than anybody, and he's an educator. Joe and Daniel are both deep thinkers. Joe and Daniel are both not completely satisfied in a friendship if there aren't some deep conversations. So there's value in the point of connectedness. Erica, let's just stand where people can see you. <laughs> Erica, single white female, professional, nonprofit advocate, involved in lots of things that Daniel has never experienced. Erica loves dogs. I knew it was the dogs. <laughs> I knew it. I was about to go. <laughs> Erica loves dogs. And Erica loves Jesus. And Erica loves the change that bring, that Jesus brings into our lives in a way that is deep, in a way that is transformational, in a way that has power. Erica cares for those that live in poverty and experience great difficulty in this life. Erica goes and visits and helps people that have gone through tremendous trauma. So does Daniel. Now, (laughs) when Daniel comes into the church, there is purpose and value in strategic relationships. Are you with me? Now, turn and face out. Turn and face out. Now, Joe, turn and face Daniel, if when Joe com- if when Daniel comes into the church, he interacts with Joe, there is a benefit. But if Erica and Holly are struggling in their relationship with Jesus, going through very difficult times and struggling to make other strategic connections with women in the church, small group, different things. Maybe I said something on a Sunday that ticked them off. It always happens. I say things that tick myself off, frankly. So. <laughs> They're in a season where when Daniel comes into the church, they're not available for connectedness, and that continues what happens. The value and the purpose that Jesus had for the local church is diminished. Because if they will see that Jesus is the Messiah by our agape love for each other, and they don't see it working the way that it should, it's diminished. And here's what can happen. And I have many times wanted to leave churches. If I don't see the value in being there, if I don't see that God has strategically placed me there, as the scripture said, then I don't see, it's just an event to attend that makes me feel like I'm a better person. It doesn't have transformational power in my life. And I don't see a purpose in whether I should come on a Sunday or not. And here's what happens. Someone like Daniel maybe comes for the very first time, and if he only gets half of a connected point, he may never return. 
I want you to understand that your Sunday morning attendance every week has value. Pastor Ben, you're a hypocrite because you take vacation. (laughs) I know. I'm not saying that you have to be here every Sunday. But I want you to understand that even when you're sick, you don't have to touch people when you're sick. You don't have to spread the illness. Even when you're discouraged and when you're depressed and when you're down, the place that you should come is here. And that even though the word local church is used to describe a house church and a church of thousands, the fact is that God spoke specifically to an identity of people who were called out of their homes to one place in time for a specific purpose and that it had value. And that the value is not me and not the name City Harbor Church and not the building that we go to and a budget or or the things that we do in the community, which we do a lot in the community that we need to do a better job talking about. But it is so that people will see that Jesus is the Messiah. That's the purpose. So if healing comes, if healing comes, and if each person sees a purpose and a value for strategic relationships and connectedness, there's a chance. There's a chance. There's a chance for Baltimore to become... (laughs) Thank you. You can be seated. That was great. Let's thank them. Okay, so I've gone over time, but I don't want to just leave you there with the passion. I want to give you something to do, okay? Listen, you, your home, your neighborhood, this city, there is hope for real change if we will see this. And it is happening all around the city. All around the city, there are people leaving churches, and all around the city, there are people joining churches and seeing this. Let's be a part of the change in what Jesus is doing. Here's how. What should we do? One, take time to learn more about the church from the scriptures. Have you have you actually investigated? Well, I think where two or three are gathered in, in, in one name, there, there, there he is in the midst of them. That's good enough. It's me and my buddy at the bar. We're suds and us, and we're a church. That's not true. That's not what the word local church means. Now, God may be there among you, and you can have meaningful interaction, and it is a, it can be a part of what he's doing in the local church, but it is not the same thing as what God was saying about the local church. It is very important and very valuable, and where I have been miserable in my own life is where my only interactions with the people in my church were here on Sunday morning. So we got to get together with the... I'm not going to say suds and us for everybody. Celebrate recovery is a good thing, right? If we get together one-on-one and twos and threes and fours and have social time, even if we're just playing games or whatever, or if we are going deep in conversation about spiritual things and praying for each other, whatever it is, there can be a purpose that is positive, that is helpful. The local church is not the local churches. This is the only time and place we see each other. Are you with me? If this is the only time and place we see each other, we are not doing what was described. So, and that realization, I think, comes from the scripture, not from hearing me say it. That was good. Number two, pray for your church family. You want to see your attitude about things change? Spend time this week, think about the other people in this church, and pray for them. Pray for Uncle Jay. Pray for Steve and Melinda. Right? Pray for Steve. Pray for the new baby. New baby girl coming for Joe and Anna. Pray. 
pray for other people. It will help you. It will help you to pray for others. Number three, ask God to help you see what you can, what you can do to grow church relationships. I don't want you to take something that I said as a guilt trip. I want you to ask God what he wants you to do to build relationships. God, the Holy Spirit, you're a Jesus believer. God can speak to you. Let God, the Holy Spirit, tell you who you should connect with and how. Maybe the best idea all day. Number four, look for ways to show love and take one step of action. Bear with me. We're going to close the prayer momentarily. I just have a little bit more content than I want to give you. Last Sunday, I talked about the Reverend Dr. John M. Perkins Jr. in his book, One Blood, Parting Words on Race. He's in his 80s. Uh, Pastor Perkins was with us the week that Freddie Gray lost his life and civil unrest in Baltimore started and he imparted words of wisdom to myself and a group of pastors. And I will never forget those moments with him in the room. And he was incredibly beneficial to us. And he has words of wisdom that I think are relevant to churches in Baltimore today. Here are just a couple. There is no reconciliation until you recognize the dignity of the other. Until you see their view, you have to Until you see their view, you have to enter into the pain of people. You've got to feel their need. Pastor Perkins also said this, We live out our call most fully when we are a community of faith with arms wrapped around a community of pain. I mean, come on, could there be any more relevant words to us here in Baltimore today? We think the power is in us individually. The power is in us collectively. It is in the church. I want to close with his prayer this morning. Will you stand with me? We'll just close with the Pastor Perkins' uh, prayer on this subject. Father God, we praise you for the vision of the church, overflowing with your character, your purpose, your love. Please remove the scales from our eyes and help us to see it, to know it, to embrace it, to love it. Then, Lord, overshadow the doubts and fears that so easily war against the vision and help us to be your church, overflowing with your glorious character in this world. By your awesome power, O God, make us one that your name may be glorified and praised in all the earth. Amen. 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 Grace and peace to you.